Welcome to Tea Total episode two. My name is Gifted Love. I'm a chatted oat milk baby. And I'm Lizzie and I'm a lemon. I like lemon and ginger tea, don't be rude. Hi, I'm Layla and I'm your anxiety friendly decaf. Hello, I'm Christy and I'm a smoky censure. On today's episode, we're going to talk about ritualities. So what are your personal rituals around tea? What are your family cultures and rituals around tea? Talk, let's talk about today the where's, the when's and the why's. The rituality, as I said before. Before we get started, if you're drinking a cup of tea while listening to us today, please tweet or IGTV or Facebook us, I guess. All our handles are at Tea Turtle Podcast and you can find more content there if you so wish. All right, let's get started. The most important question of the day, what tea are we drinking? I've got myself a peppermint tea. <laughs> oh, God, now we're all going to sound like copycats. I've also got a peppermint tea. It's really? after seven. What do you expect? Well, I was thinking I'm feeling fresh, so I needed a, a mint tea to go with that because I felt like lemon is a bit too calming. It's not really calming. Lemon. But anyway. You feel like lemon's calming, peppermint's calming. No, I feel like peppermint gets me, like, refreshed. Like a minty smell, like when you brush your teeth. That is not correct. <laughs> Do you put peppermint in your toothpaste? I thought it was mint. Yeah, it's all the same though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, peppermint, mint. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who else yeah. is drinking tea today? Yeah, sorry, you're gone. <laughs> I have, well, I have a lemon tea, excuse me. I have a lemon and ginger and I put a bit of honey in it and it just mm. tastes like a hot lemonade. Delectable. Mm. It's real nice. Because yeah, we are recording in the evening so we can't be having any like strong cuppers. Fair enough. Today I am drinking, in trend with everyone else, peppermint and licorice tea. Um, the pucker one. It's literally what I'm going to drink every week so you guys are going to get bored of me. I feel like I watched Mega Man recently so I'm going to make a lot of Mega Man references but I feel like we're all one big like mind together. That's something you all knew. Peppermint I I don't like mint tea. Neither do I. I don't like mint anything to be honest so. Why are you drinking that then? <laughs> it's like, one does have Excuse a different me. vibe. Yeah exactly. Peppermint Pepper is important. It's and all mint. I didn't want to say, but they're all mint plants. That's why there's the word mint and spearmint. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I had a tea which was like three mint, and I was like, there's three? There's, there's multiple mints. <laughs> it's like the mint family, and then there's like loads of like offshoots of the types of mint. Like, what do you but mean? I don't like mint. And. Mm. I think you do. <laughs> I the only reason I know there's different types of mints is because when I'm buying chewing gum and I love me mm. a chewing gum, I always forget which one I like and which one I don't like. And I still don't know to this day to be honest. But I just get the one that's you know the extra with the white whitening. It says whitening, whether it actually does that, I don't know. But do you know the one I mean? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I like and then there's some other one that's like really sweet and horrible that's the only reason i know that there's different i was just gonna pull this word out of the bag spearmint yeah what is it yeah it's the sweet one that i like but lizzie the sweet ones peppermint's the the quite strong blast can we make a separate episode about mint please because i have several questions that i don't have the answer to right now (laughs) and it's gonna take up too much because i know i don't really have that i'm like so what does spare mean what does pepper mean is actual pepper mixed with mint but we're not here for that today thank you for bringing up another topic we can discuss thank you very much okay so (laughs) that's what that's what we're drinking today fabulous the next thing we're going to discuss is our personal rituals of tea so we're going to go around our, our tea-stained circle and discuss what our personal rituals of tea are. Are they magical? Are they casual? Do they not exist? What are they? We're going to find out. Christy, talk to me. Hello. So every morning I have a cup of uh, breakfast tea. So I like to use the Tetley one. And I just I brew it every morning. No matter the weather, I don't care what weather it is, whether it's really hot, or not i just make it and it just it's just a nice part of the ritual just having like a hot cup hot cup in the morning and always have it with oat milk um and in the evenings i've developed this ritual 
over the past few months or so. So I've been having like chamomile or like some kind of a herbal tea with honey and I have like a baked good. So like maybe like a brownie I've made, cookies mm. or like um, I bought some Swiss rolls and Madeira <gasps> cake from Sainsbury's. So like I'll have a few slices. Um, yes, multiple slices, not one. Um, <laughs> That's what exactly. you take us for? <laughs> and have it in the in the like like post nine pm kind of thing. It can, it's a really nice little ritual to help me. I say help me go to sleep. It helps me fill the time before I go to bed and stare at the ceiling for multiple hours. Mm-hmm. But at least I have cake. You know what I mean? Mm. That sounds beautiful. I'm not gonna lie. Swiss rolls are like a different breed of cake. Like they're the best. It's just so logical to have the cake spongy bit like wrapped up with a moist bit, and then the whole thing is moist. It's genius. Science could never. It really could. Are we are we including Colin in Swiss roll genre? Oh, is Colin Colin? Colin the caterpillar cake? Oh. Man said, yeah. who's calling you? are like, I don't know him, sorry. <laughs> he doesn't go here. <laughs> who's calling? <laughs> oh, gosh. I had one for my birthday last year. And I try to remember the contents. It's like solid chocolate, front and back, and around. Yeah. And you get a bit of cake in the middle. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like hard chocolate with cake, not the other way. Chocolate filled, a chocolate cylinder filled with cake. That's what it is. Yeah. (laughs) The thing is that Colin was a very like recent discovery for me because like I only (sighs) grew up with working class people. So like, when did I first know what Colin the cake was? I think I must have been like sixteen, and I met my first few middle class people, and I was like, why is this? Because like... I always forget Colin's just at M&S, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, um, mm-hmm. they've all no. got all the rando names. And like Tesco, it's, I don't know, like Stephen. <laughs> really? Yeah, my, mine was from Sainsbury. So I only discovered yeah. Colin the Caterpillar about last year or so because my friend told me. I was like, I'm having it for my birthday. I don't care. I'm in my mid-twenties now. <laughs> and it's called like a crawly caterpillar cake, I think. Oh really? Yeah. So which caterpillar have I been eating then? Because now I just have no idea. I have no idea. If it's M and S, it's Colin. If it's not, then some some knockoff. Yeah, it's definitely not from M and S. It's definitely like a Tesco's thing. Thank you, Chrissy, for saying your beautiful, beautiful rituala tea with us, Layla. So I'm trying to not cover too much of the cultural stuff. Um, because I think subconsciously a lot of my personal rituals must come from my cultural rituals, which is like aggressively offering people cups of tea when they come to my house (laughs) and would much rather like have a friend around for tea than go to the pub, that sort Mm. of aesthetic. But my personal thing, I mean, similar to Christy, like I just really like holding a hot thing while I'm thinking um mm. i saw a like video during during lockdown numero uno and it was like which zoom character are you and one of them was like the hot drink drinker and i was like that is me <laughs> like are you truly working if you're not holding some like hot beverage some form of tea it's usually like a sports direct size mug oh my god breakfast yeah. um <laughs> it's just a really nice like thing i do when i like hit a wall or have nothing else to do or need a place to think you just mm. go i'll park that thought and i'll go to the kettle that's beautiful is it true can i ask a question hit me is it is it true that like because i've heard this from people like when you basically anything that tastes nice like a tea once you put it in the sports direct cup because of like the volume and just song about that cup <laughs> it tastes nasty is that true um, so actually I'm quite fortunate my sports direct size I got from my mates for my birthday and it's got like it's thrown from um, I think like anthropology or something bougie like that they all got together and bought me this mug um, and it's got like delicate little flowers on it and a letter L so sports direct volume but aesthetic I think it must be to do with the like horrible capitalist branding on mm. the sports direct mug that makes it so 
undrinkable. <laughs> <laughs> That's my like intersectional feminist Marxist analysis of the Sports Direct mug. But yes, Sports Direct, you are welcome for the feedback. <laughs> you can taste the zero <laughs> hour contracts. <laughs> right, oh. right. We went there. We went but there. In my mind, it's just a matter of. Surely it just tastes different because you're putting in more water than you would normally. So you're kind of watering mm. down your tea more than usual. Or you're putting in more milk, but maybe you haven't left the tea bag in for long enough to make up for that ratio. I think that's a fair oh. shout because you have to, yeah, because you need to let it steep for longer for it to reach that volume of water. But also the vessel yeah. itself does count. So, like in Chinese cultures, um, there's a lot of like clay. Uh, teapots and drinking cups and also like they pay a lot of attention to the like the, the china and how it's made and like it it all plays into it mm-hmm. even like the thickness of like the um the cup and like especially the rim and like with the oxygen yes. and whatnot whereas i don't think sports That's direct so thinks about that i'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> fair enough That's so yeah. oh okay no that's that's really got me thinking regarding like what actually goes into like making that sports direct drinks to taste so crony. That's interesting. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's just me left, I think. Yes, it is. <clears throat> so yeah, no, it's not. No, sorry. She was like, sorry, I'm still pin. here, guys. I'm so sorry. Please, Lizzie. Please. <laughs> Can I just add to the to the rim the importance of a good Oh, this is gonna sound so wrong. Of a good rim. Newsflash, Lizzie <laughs> believes in the good room. <laughs> I do. It's vital. It's vitally important. Otherwise, you start dribbling. If it's too thick, it's just going to dribble down your mouth because you're not, you're not meant to drink tea like that. You're not meant to drink anything from a thick rim. <laughs> I can't believe I'm adding to the rim conversation, but have you ever seen those rims which are like heart-shaped or like... when the entire mug is shaped like a flower or a heart and you're like how are you meant to drink that like where on the heart do you place your mouth for optimum drinkage let's continue with this family friendly show uh go on lizzie what's your what's your tea drinking ritual well i was thinking about it and i don't think i actually have a ritual i just let the tea follow the mood so when i wake up in the morning i kind of like get myself ready and then Usually, I will have a tea in the morning, but first things first, I ask myself, do we want a tea? Sometimes, I don't want a tea, I just want to stock up on water, or I want to have a different drink that we don't mention on this podcast, Mm. and um, that's just how it is. But sometimes, in the morning, when I am fancying that other type of hot beverage that we don't mention on this podcast, um, I think, well, I do want a hot drink. And I would really like that one. But am I really down to introduce caffeine to my body right now? Mm. And do I want it to just kind of go and follow its own, like, natural wake-up cycle? Because sometimes I get worried about that. And I'm like, well, instead of inputting all this caffeine, I could just have a tea. Which also has caffeine, but I think also the mental side of knowing what coffee does to you um, has an effect on me. So I'll definitely have one most mornings, but not all. And I agree with Layla. Like, if I have a Zoom call or something, I need to have a cup of tea or something Mm. just warm, something to drink from. Not only to look uber professional, but, like, because it gives you that space to breathe. Like, especially if it's a really important meeting or something. Then and sometimes you lose track of how fast you're talking or mm. you're getting worried about something and then you could just pick up your mug of tea and be like, have a second. <sighs> you know? Like a big comma. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it's like, like a grounding a, moment. A big comma. That is exactly how I would describe it. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'd say if it wasn't for lockdown, me and my um, best friend sometimes... For an excuse to meet up, which isn't, it's not really an excuse, but what we call it is we'll say we're going for a coffee and a cigarette because that's what someone from her uni used to say, who was like this really cool chick who would always be slightly late to lectures and they got on really well. And um, 
she would always be like, I'm going to go for a coffee and a cigarette. Do you want to come? And she'd always, so my best friend would want to go with her, but then know that they're going to be late for the lecture. So not go. So we have um, very timely coffees and cigarettes so that we're not late for things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's so kind of it really. Yeah. That's lovely. That does sound like a ritual. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lizzie. That's really beautiful. Um, You're welcome. Wow, meeting up with people, what's that like? Um, anyway, oh, um, <laughs> my ritual is that I also kind of don't have one. So, like, growing up, I kind of had tea because I'd seen my teachers do it. And when I always become a teacher, I thought that was part of, part of the personality trait because they were always just, like, sitting at a desk going, oh, yeah, all right, class, you're right, and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, that was part of the package. And, like, now I think I just have tea when I fancy it. So that's something like, I'm just like, I'm cold and I don't really want water or a fizzy drink. So I'm just going to have tea. And it's something that like, unfortunately, I only really have when I'm sick or I'm sad. (laughs) I don't really like have happy moments and be like, yay, tea. Those things don't kind of come together. It's usually when I'm sad or sick. And it's really nice. So like most of the time tea, like um, my partner, Joseph, he makes it for me. Um, so that, that that kind of tender act of like can I have some tea and he'll like make it for me is really nice and he always makes it really nicely in, in like a mug that I like because I, I don't actually find myself making my own, my own cup of tea that often that's like a I don't know that feels really weird for me I'm like no 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 someone's always making it for me because I'm either sad or I'm sick so making my own cup of tea is not something that I do or really mm-hmm. enjoy I feel like I've, I always ruin it so and also I have a really weird thing so I don't I need to drink my tea when it's basically lukewarm, so I can't drink that kettle hot tea. But also, I have a real problem with that finishing my tea. I never finish it. There's always like a quarter left. I don't know why I can't finish it. That actually hurts my heart a little bit. It feels... I'm not saying I'm the best at finishing my tea because half the time people have to remind me to drink the tea because I forget it's there when mm. it's full. Yeah. Is it the fear of the sediment at the bottom? I don't know. Maybe. I just don't finish it. Like, by the time I look over, I'm like, oh, I forgot to drink it now. And then it's cold. Or is I don't it know. I still finish my like, tea. Like, you, you're drinking it because you're sad or sick or part of a conversation or whatever. You're also talking. So is it that it's too cold by the end? Yeah. By the time I, like, by the time I remember the coffee. Oh! <gasps> Bruno, Bruno, Bruno! Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> the like, it's like a swear word. Oh my god! This is just like, oh, I sorry. Don't think I even know you guys anymore. <laughs> hey, it, was, it wasn't it wasn't me. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh my god! His influence yeah. on my brain. Sorry. What I meant to say is that by the time I remember the tea that I'm drinking is cold and I'm like on my way to cheering up so the tea doesn't like correlate with me cheering up. Or maybe it does in a way. But yeah, that's kind of my ritual with it when I'm sad or I'm sick. All right, now on to bum bum bum. The bit I am so, so excited for, cultural rituals. Oh, this is so exciting because like we each have, <clears throat> like we just discussed, we each have our personal rituals with tea. And as Leila was saying, some of it she feels like stems from the cultural rituals associated with herself and her heritage. We're going to actually discuss our cultural rituals surrounding tea. Who would like to talk first? So I'm from Jordan and... We don't really have pubs, obviously, because it's a mainly Muslim country. And what we do is go to, like, hot drink houses in the evening. So, oh, like, what? guys, it's like your heaven. So we, I remember, what, like, for example, the flight that we get to Jordan lands at, like, 10 p.m. You're not home till, like, midnight. And we got there and we were, like, got to the apartment. We are like, oh, God, you know, I'm quite hungry let's go out for a bite to eat it's full-on midnight midnight o'clock and there is like a group of youths drinking their tea at like this place with their like menaish which is like a sort of pizza thing that we eat in jordan which you like wrap up and turns into a wrap and that is part of the culture so tea in arabic is shay 
which is really similar to chai. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just such a central part of everything we do. Um, I can so talk a bit about where that came from. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's this thing in Jordan where like most people came from nomadic people in the desert, which means like they used to move around a lot and they're called Bedouins. And there's still quite a few of them. Um, and their way of drinking tea is very, very specific. And you boil the water with the sugar and tea leaves and you don't stir it. And, you know, when you're making caramel, they say don't stir the sugar because you have to let it like crystallize or brown mm. or whatever. I only know that from Bake Off. I've never made caramel in my life. <laughs> but you boil sugar, water and tea until it goes like amber and caramelly and... <sighs> Then you put it in these um, tiny little tea glasses. I don't know if you've seen them. They're like often mm. Moroccan people will drink them and they pour really high. And that's like yeah. a whole cool thing that they can do. Um, we don't do that. We don't have time. <laughs> but they don't have um, handles either. So you have to be really, really good at holding them from the top. And then that's called like an istikan. And then you put in some extra leaves on the black tea. So you could put in like sage, mint. I think... Oh, I'm going to say this and probably get it wrong. I think it's either like Syria or Iraq put in rose petals. Um, and those are like fresh little things you put in to add to the Beautiful. tea. Um, yeah. And that is like when people come over before dinner, after dinner, two hours after dinner, when people, <laughs> we don't let people leave our houses. So, you know, in like <laughs> this country, you're like, oh, well, you should be getting on. In Jordan, even if you really want people to go, you have to ask them to stay. Like, I don't know why we do this. Like, it'll be like 1am, you're knackered, and they go, we should probably get going. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'll make more tea. I'll make more tea. I'll make more tea. You're staying. That's and then so you go to the kitchen, you're like, why did I say that? Like, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that just must have, like, seeps into my, my blood. I've never even spent that long in Jordan, but making tea for other people is very very central to what I do mm-hmm. and I used to have loads of sugar and I have sugar when I'm in Jordan and I never have it here ever oh, to nice. balance it out I guess yeah. <laughs> maybe get my sugar content of the year oh that sounds like such a lovely like tea ritual and I really want to try it now we have to do yes. this in person and try each other's yes. yeah but yeah that is my tea rituality and my culture and the only thing I'd say that like is another big one is similar to gift it's a massive thing when you're unwell to make someone Mm. tea and I have like this inner fear of chamomile tea because it's called babunish in Arabic and whenever I was sick my mum would make me drink it and like used to make me like gag it was horrible and then the other day, she was like, my mum goes, oh, yeah, I'm not feeling very well. I feel quite sick. I was like, oh, should I make you chamomile? She was like, I hate chamomile. And I was like, after all these years, <laughs> you snake, you forced me to with milk. And now you're in it. I was like, I'm making you one, and I'm going to leave it on your bedside the way you used to leave it on mine. <laughs> That's so funny. Who next? Who's <laughs> next? Go, go. Does that mean dead? I hope it's not. I really like it. Uh, Gift, do you want to go next so you don't yeah. go last? Like last time. All right. Thank you. So, uh, upon my investigation, tea and coffee isn't really that big in Nigeria. Surprise, surprise. A really hot country where people are really busy. People don't really stop to drink tea. But what was interesting is that I was reading a lot of articles about how these kind of tea and the C word um, companies are trying to like break into the Nigerian market because there's loads of people and like a and they call like the Nigerian population an aspirational population in that like a lot of people want to like kind of get themselves out of poverty or like get themselves and like elevate themselves because of like the way they consume media and just because of the culture about that bettering yourself so um a lot of and some companies are trying to take advantage of that by trying to like offer tea um as this thing that like high class people drink so obviously everyone needs to be getting into it um so what was really interesting is I asked my mum for some information. Hopefully I can set some clips of her giving me some tips and information about um, what tea was like and what it means for her in Nigeria. But um, so my mum is 
Urobo and Ishekiri, which is like two ethnic groups that are very close to each other uh, in Nigeria. And she was giving me some information that like, basically we don't, in, in that, that ethnic group at least, we don't really have tea. We have something like, we have something called pepe soup. Uh, and there's like, and hopefully we can insert clips of what they're actually called in Urobo um, or Shekiri. But basically there's like two versions of this pepe soup. So there's one where you, it's just like fish with like, um, like herbs and spices and then like a boiled water and then like that is that's like putting this like big um jar or something like that and then that's drunk as just like the thing you have or if you put yam inside it's a bit thicker and it's more of a soup but that's like for her that's as close as you get to tea so it's like a, a fishy tea basically <laughs> it's that's as close so as you get <laughs> yeah so that there's not really like that i mean um some people like when people are sick will ground up herbs but they don't really boil the water to do that they just kind of had add water to it to help to help people be able to drink it basically but like tea is just not where it's at yeah when i was doing some research obviously unilever still has because of colonialism still has a stronghold on nigeria and it's like food and drinks market so like lipton tea is quite popular there because you can have it in an iced beverage but also as a hot tea um and there's some other like um tea companies that i never heard of that's that are quite like popular in nigeria and that are available but really if you want to if you want to like gather around and drink something You'll drink like palm wine or gogoro, which is like kind of the Nigerian gin or spirit. Like you'd have, you'd have, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but you have one of those. Things. Again, it's alcoholic. So you'd have, you have palm wine, you have a gogoro, but you wouldn't really sit down and be like, oh, can't wait for tea. But something that was really interesting that my mum said was that basically because my, my grandma, the only reason she drank the C word was because up that she, because she was mixed race so my grandma is like half scottish and mm-hmm. because the scottish guy introduced my my grandma's mom to the coffee and like, oops, <laughs> to tea and the <laughs> to the c word and tea she then started like normalizing drinking that in her house and then now it's kind of something that she that she does in her day-to-day but it's not something that like came natural so like she was one of the only people in like her village that was like drinking coffee like that because it was like how she grew up but people don't really weren't really drinking coffee and tea like that because i guess the way that um like the daily schedule worked and the like basically is coffee doesn't really make sense in the context that my grandma and my mom grew up because for her, it was like, there's only certain days that there's, mar- that, that she works in like a market, she sells stuff in a market. There's only certain days that there's, that the market is open. And what you do is that you prepare for it in the night, in the night, then you wake up really, really early, you go to the market, you sell, and then you go home and like rest in the afternoon and then you kind of have your evening to yourself. So that setup doesn't really require you to have like coffee to stay awake. Whereas here, mm. because we don't have these like afternoon rests and respites and kind of the schedule is like very intense. It almost feels like we need coffee to get through that. So for her, coffee is just like a something she does, but it doesn't she doesn't do it for the like energy because her days itself for her to need it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's like a it's like a hobby. Yeah. Like a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was really scary because, like, the last time she was in the UK, because she wakes up really early because she used to go into market, like, for, like, 5 a.m. I remember coming down for a wee and she was sitting in the dark with this big mug of Kita's drinking it. And she was like, <laughs> she's like, hello. And I was like, <gasps> that was very scary. Um, seeing her sit in the dark. And I was just like, are you okay? Like, sitting in the dark? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what you do. You sit in the dark her drinking drinking your hot drink. I was like, okay, good night. <laughs> um, so that, <laughs> that was my experience of her with her. But, yeah, basically... And the only other thing as well that I learned was that for people that can't afford to drink like the pepper soup in like a cup or any sort of like cutlery, they drink it in something called calabash, which is a, some sort of gauze, so like a pumpkin or like a whatever. And basically you hollow that out and let it like dry up and kind of, it becomes some sort of like kind of bowl and then you drink it from that. Uh, I don't know if that will add to the flavour in any way, but I, yeah, that's something that I thought in- interesting that that kind of certain people can't even afford to actually get the like cutlery to make and drink tea so they kind of have to make, put it in like this kind of dried out fruit thing which is really cool that's anyway so i've gone off way too long <laughs> that's what i learned it's really interesting it's interesting how alcohol and tea are two beverages that just unite people like mm. it's a very sociable thing i think what you were saying is really interesting about particular i love the idea of like having vegetables or fruit carved out and using that as a kind of natural utensil utensil is probably the wrong word 
for a cup, but you know what I mean? Mm. And it reminded me that I saw this thing the other day. There's this business called and it's founded by a white person. And hearing you say that, it just makes me think like, so do people think this is like a novelty thing? Is this like, you know, Yeah. it's people have clearly been doing this for a very long time. What more can they colonize? Yeah, probably selling it for like 20 quid each yeah well i didn't go on it but yeah i imagine so yeah don't Mm -hmm. even give them the luxury of the hit you're not even (laughs) clicking on that website (laughs) you do not get my viewership Mm, don't tell anyone about calabash just in case yeah yeah all right well we just said it on the podcast but (laughs) anyone that heard it forget you didn't hear it okay thank you i'll edit it i'll edit it thank you Hello gentrifiers, this is the teetotal hypnosis section. If you are looking to colonise Calabash, no you won't. You will have just forgotten the last few minutes of the podcast. And now, back to the podcast. Well, I was just going to swing off of what you were saying, Gif, because it's interesting that you have... um, you realise that there's a popularity around iced tea. Like I spoke to my dad when I was talking about um, about this podcast and about what we're going to be speaking about today. Mm-hmm. And I'm half Jamaican, my dad's Jamaican and my mum's English. And But I like to refer to myself as South London because I feel like England is a big place and um, mm-hmm. South London definitely has the characteristics of um, that I like to familiarize myself with mm-hmm. um i'm very south london proud anyway um, on period i was asking him whether iced tea was a thing because again like you said it's a hot country in jamaica so people ain't really about offering tea and coffee when you come through the door and he was like no not really like iced tea's around obviously but it's it's not really a thing mm-hmm. and i was like well what do you offer people like what do Jamaican people offer when you walk through the door like British people we just that's one of the first things we say one of the first sentences that come out of our mouths mm-hmm. um and he was like uh he like, had to think about it for a minute and was like we just say you want a drink you want a drink and you just choose what drink you want and then he was like um he went into it he was like you know lemonade orange juice it was like listed all these drinks and then he said cold beer do you want a cold beer and I heard that and I could literally, like, I just felt it throughout my whole body. There's something about a cold beer in a hot country that is just so mm, <laughs> refreshing. You can kind of feel it as you say it. So I recognised that one straight away. Um, but in terms of his personal rituals um, and his, like, I guess, relationship with tea and kind of speaking on behalf of my uncles and stuff like that as well, um, is that tea isn't really a thing. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't really like tea. He doesn't really drink it. He drinks the C word more often. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was interesting, and that should have been where the conversation really ended. But um, we just carried on chatting about these kind of ideas. And the other thing I became aware of, because I wasn't brought up on this, but is Cerisee tea. I don't know if you've heard of it or if I've even mm-hmm. said that right, but... Yeah. It's this really bitter tea that's really, really good for you. And apparently it helps with, like, diabetes, blood pressure, all of that stuff. And you can get it in, like, all the shops and, and that. And But I was never brought up on it, so it wasn't really my thing. But mm. there's um, one of my friend, friend's friends was living with us for a bit. And she brought... Actually, no, she was living here before I was. And then she brought her Cerisee along and she was like not ranting and raving about it but saying that it was part of her ritual particularly when she wasn't feeling well and Mm. it wasn't necessarily something you have every day but it's something that helps you feel better and stay healthy basically Mm. what Um, what actually is it like is it a yeah can you also give us a spelling of this yeah it's c-e-r-a-s-s-e i think and I'm not going to lie, I'm going to have to quickly do a quick search for the ingredients. Um, Apparently it exists in the Middle East. 
Oh, it's like, like a big. Me. It's a big thing. I don't know about the origins, but I know it's a Caribbean thing. Um, it's big in the Caribbean. Lol. When I searched it into Google, I got bloody cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I found it. C E R A S double E. And Mercy. There's an article about it in the Jamaica Observer. So yes, don't know. Um, <laughs> does it say what's in it? Um, or what it's like? It that is what it is. Is it? It, a, it just is. Just is a plant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently, it's, it's used to reduce menstrual pains. This Something stuff like just is like. During that. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a big thing, um, but yeah, I need to do more research into it. But Jamaicans are obviously about the herbal medicines; they they know mm. that shit. So I'm going to save that research for another podcast. But it'll be mm. really interesting. Um, the other person I spoke to was my grandma on my British side, and because she's where I really knew about tea, where I got to know mm. about tea proper, and um, she, we had a really interesting conversation. And she said that she started drinking tea in college because, similar to our stories, everyone else was drinking it. And she didn't like it, but (laughs) she carried on anyway. And um, she was, she's now like a tea routine person. And she says her morning tea is like invaluable. Invaluable? Invaluable, yeah. Invaluable. And then she'll have a C word at 11. And then she'll have tea and cake at four, which is apparently a really traditional English tea time. And that's where the conversation got really interesting because she was then describing her generation, her generation, but more so the generations before as the timetable generation where everything had times like lunchtime was at this time and dinner was mm-hmm. at this time. And there's this thing called upper class tea. Um, no, sorry. There's this thing called high tea. Mm-hmm. which takes place at 5.30. And that was more so for people from working class backgrounds, factory workers and all of that. And what that would be is essentially dinner at 5.30, but with cold foods, so like ham, cheese, things like that, yeah. and a cup of tea. And so she was describing this, and I was like, hang on a minute, 5.30, but I'll be hungry by, by 7. Mm. I'll be hungry by 8. <laughs> how do you deal with that and she was like no it was fine like that was just what what we that's how we did it i didn't is, feel like i was missing out is this why the northerners called dinner tea is this the reason because i've been confused oh, for so long in this country like historically yeah. people used to have like high tea then dinner so i wonder again if here high tea was a working class thing which was, you know, historically the northern lands were more working class. So maybe that's why. That does make sense. That does match up. And then with colonialism. Mm. Yeah. She was saying that, so high tea people would have their dinner at that time and then that would be it. And But when her father would come home, there would be an actual dinner made for him. and But it wouldn't be like a family meal. Like, only he would have that. And she, again, I was like, if that was me, are you mad? And she was <laughs> she was like, no, it was fine. Like, it was just what we did. It wasn't, like, a jealousy thing. Well, okay. But apparently, um, upper-class people would have tea at 4pm and then have dinner at 7pm. So, like, and probably, like, get dressed up for it or it would be, like, this big family thing. So they'd have tea earlier with tea and cake in order to have be have room for dinner basically. And um and yeah, I just found that so fascinating. Um the it fact really that is. everything is so timed and like that I mean it I mean it relates, right? Because if you're thinking about how much food you've got to feed your family with, like mm. and money and resources, like that's wild and I said so she was she even said like school dinners were the same thing like she'd have dinner at school at lunchtime or whatever whatever time they had dinner and um and she'd come home and like that would be her meal like at the school um which was wild because 
when I pick up my little sister from school, you gotta have snack ready to go as soon as they walk out the door, and and then dinner. Get straight on to dinner before they whilst they're doing their homework. You know what I mean? So I was like, wow. Um, but yeah, and then the other thing she was mentioning was I I was asking. So when people come through the door, why is it you think that we offer tea and coffee? And she was saying that she thinks it's from back in the day when we were getting like horse and carriage everywhere and the journeys would be so much longer um, and it would just be something that you offer people. By the time they got to your house, they're parched, they need need refreshment. And I also thought, well, it is this England, so they're probably freezing as well. So they're going to need a hot drink. And I was like, oh my gosh, ding, ding, ding. This is my <laughs> oh, This is so interesting. I love this. So interesting, though. Um, and then last thing was what type of tea she drinks. Uh, drinks. And she drinks Earl Grey. And she remembers the first time she was offered it was when she only started drinking it when by the time she'd had children. And she was taking her youngest child, her son, to a school meeting and their teachers offered her would you like a tea would you like Earl Grey and she was like yeah yeah I'll have Earl Grey because she knew about the kind of class implications of that or like like how yeah how it made you look if you said you wanted Earl Grey over English breakfast and since then she's been drinking it and then she was even saying how like the strength of your tea was also like um a signifier of your class so she would say Damn. that if it wasn't if it was super strong it was like deemed that you were of a lower class whereas if it was kind of like good level t then it was deemed that you were upper class i mean obviously i went there so i don't know exactly how quickly <laughs> these things but <laughs> But it was interesting conversation. That's so interesting. That I wonder really if it's to do like with wasted, like you can afford to waste it slash needing the energy from it. Um, That's exactly what I thought. Gosh. Yeah. Wow. It's so interesting. Yeah. How much tea in the UK is tied with class because mm. it was like a luxury product shipped in. Mm-hmm. So very few people had access, and it kind of went down through the societies. And now you you, you can judge people by their tea choice and their strength on their class, which is real, real interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Real dodgy. That is my um, cultural reference to tea, based on my heritage. Damn, your family is full of info, bro. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm loving that this podcast is giving me reason to have conversations that aren't just, hello, how was your day? Are you well? Is everybody okay? Okay, great. Yeah, dig into cultural history. I was just going to say, I've got a question about, um, like, do they take milk in their tea? Because I remember starting to take milk in Jordan. I was looked at like an alien. Like, it is not an option to put milk, especially in those tiny little glasses. So in, for example, the English breakfast tea or Earl Grey that got taken over to Jamaica, for example, would people drink milk with that still or not? So, um, just firstly, to clarify, the grandmother I was talking about is on my British side. Right. Not the Jamaican side. Got it. Um, But she does take a bit of milk. She said she only takes a little bit. And I remember the first time I actually watched her pour a cup, she pours the milk in first. And she did a very um, Audrey Garner's finest statistic on me on the phone. And she was like, yeah, I think about 85% of people put the milk in first. And I was like, that is brave. That is a very brave <laughs> Bold <statement."> claim. <laughs> yeah. wow. We can't confirm this, but there's uh, no scientists. Please get in touch. Yeah. Magic <laughs> true, but probably not. <laughs> Let us know. Um, but yeah, she said most of the time people, or again you know most of the time in quote marks people use just just have lemon in Earl Grey tea and um I had heard that and I thought that was flipping random because you don't see people putting a slice of lemon in their English breakfast do you no it's not the same that sounds kind of cranny though (laughs) (laughs) we should try it because I've seen it in like like old tv shows and stuff they like prep lemon slices in the Earl Grey and a little pitcher of milk but I've never tried it Hmm. How about you, Christy? 
Uh-huh. Alrighty. Uh, I'm going on the back of kind of like what I know um, from like family anecdotes and my own experiences. Um, so like, I think it's the same with what the rest of you said. Like it's, a, it's seen as a medicinal thing as well. I think that was its very origin. So for those of you who don't know, I am Hong Kong born. Um, so like tea came from China. So it's always been very, very much part of our culture. Like way in the olden times um so yeah it was always it was like a very bitter drink and you have different forms of it and like still to this day it's kind of seems to have medicinal properties uh, i don't have a huge working knowledge of that but hopefully we can bring on someone who has that knowledge um but a lot of kind of when we drink tea it's just kind of on a day-to-day but especially when we go for dim sum so it's mm-hmm. like when you go to the restaurants and you have like the little the foods in the baskets and the plates and um you have the the spinny table <laughs> where you put all the food on and you spin it around it's great i miss it um and also you would have tea there i think it started out as it was centered around the tea and then the food was like the snacks to accompany the tea and now it's kind of the other way around so tea is kind of an afterthought now um but like a fun little couple of rituals i've just kind of remembered that we have with tea is that in chinese restaurants when your teapot is empty you take the lid off and then people will come around and uh, refill it with hot water and it's free so like i'm very confused when i go into western cafes and like i still have the tea bag just <laughs> more hot water please i don't want to pay for another tea but here we are and the reason well the story behind why um, people leave the lid off is well a it's like a very easy visual cue for waiters but also mm-hmm. um i think it was the story of how this cheeky bloke went to one of them tea houses yeah and um he brought his like bird and um he didn't pay he, he didn't have money to pay for his food so then he put his bird in the empty teapot it's a it's quite a horrible story and then the waiters just run around with boiling water and they just like open this and top it up and they oh poured it onto the verb and then he was like oh my gosh you hurt my verb you hurt my bird i ain't paying for this meal so oh this is God. like like a, a folklore story um oh. so now apparently that's why we have this <laughs> we have this um leaving the tea lid the teapot lid open but yeah, oh I was so shocked. I think yeah. it's a folklore story. I don't think oh. it's true, guys. It's okay. Okay. So how is he carrying a bird around? You how just do that. Just the old blokes just carry around. Like it still happens today in modern day um, Hong Kong, at least. Like you sometimes just get like the old grandpas with like their birds in a bird cage okay. and just go for a walk with it. And how big like, is the teapot? Just a standard teapot size, you know. So it's like a budgie sized bird. Yeah. It's not like a freaking parrot. <laughs> it's just stuffed in. If it was a seagull, that's fine, but. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. the golden eagle. That also, um, when we pour tea for other people, oftentimes you won't say thank you, you'll just tap twice with two fingers, like two or three times on the table as, yes. as a thank you. Um, it confuses some people because they're like, are you like trying to make him hurry up? Like, is that rude? Like, no, no, it's just how you say thank you. I thought it's because, oh. like, oh, because, like, sometimes we're eating or we're talking and it's like mid conversation, so we can just say thank you whilst, like, continuing the conversation. But according to wikipedia.com, uh, apparently it was because an emperor was, like, undercover, don't really know why, um, and he went to a tea house with one of his advisors, I think, one of his people, them. Um, and the emperor poured tea for um, the dude who worked for him, and that is like extremely rarely done ever. Most of the times, the emperors literally don't lift a finger, so it's like a very big deal if the emperor pours tea for you. But obviously, he can't like properly thank him because then he would have, like exposed him as the emperor. So he just tapped twice. That's like a, a secret way of saying thank you. Apparently, again, that's not that's another folklore story. Apparently, that's how. Um, this tradition came on but it's quite fun to do it because it's like a secret code especially we do it around like white people they're like (laughs) what's going on i love the fact that your um stories come with these folklore stories Mm. i I love that actually got an origin for the things we're just 
I'm here making it up. Like, it could be because they were on horse and carriage. It just adds, like, that whole new side to mm. tea drinking. Like, when you're drinking tea and it's, like, rooted in this, like, massive story, like, thousands of years old, like, it just makes you think, like, you're part of something bigger than yourself while drinking mm. it. Yeah, yeah. Just having this, like, knowledge kind of passed down and you kind of keep it up with these like traditions and little little habits that you do two other like family anecdotes with tea so tea is obviously a big part of like formal ceremonies as well so when my older sister got married um there was a kind of like a tea ceremony that was integrated as part of the kind of western side of the wedding so there would be like a tea ceremony with like special red cups and a red teapot and the groom and the bride you kind of kneel on these cushions with like the tea set in front of you and then the parents on the other side and the the the, the quote-unquote children, the groom and the bride serve tea to the parents on both sides. And that's just an important part of the wedding ceremony. Wow. Yeah, it's nice. I think there's a few more rituals as well around the tea side of things but it's mm. it's been a few years since my sister got married i don't quite remember <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense again like like you said like it in like traditional certain traditional nigerian weddings like it's something similar happens but with like with the like, traditional nigerian general palm wine so but i think instead it's that the the wife brings it to like the husband and then like but when she walks like like her family come behind her and everyone like celebrating and they yeah, pass it to her and like he sips some and then she she sips some and it's like oh woo it's great so like I just like oh, I love the kind of stuff that's like there's something there yeah like, the fact it's that it's just yeah you know? it's like a sharing of beverages mm. for some reason it's just such an integral part of a lot of cultures mm-hmm. and traditions yeah. and rituals and rites which is really lovely also sorry i didn't mean to interrupt there's one thing i heard that i was i i saw a tiktok about which i thought was really interesting and that like the thing with like i guess uk and usa like kind of western in quotation marks cultures is that like sharing is like really frowned upon like oh yeah in other in, like, <laughs> and i think that i think that like really like goes into it though because like in, like most cultures especially like poc like share you share you have a yeah. platter of food everyone shares something yeah. you share the drink you share everything but like it's only really here that people are like if you touch my food i will kill you and mm. i just and i sort of talk about that and this is making me think about like maybe the reason like our cultures like have just always been about sharing community and like everyone getting their fair share and so that's why or, like despite them being so like far from each other there's like there's a there's still a ritual of sharing within the mm. ceremony so that makes sense yeah I mean, with yeah. with dim sum, you never order for yourself. You order for the table. And if there's something mm. you want, you still order for the table. So you're like one mm. or two. So everyone can have some if they want. Oh. But yeah. Because like, I'm very used to like sharing. So even like nowadays, like I'm very cool with kind of sharing my food and whatever. Mm. Like people want to try my food, like it's calm. But everyone else is like, no. No touchy. <laughs> what are you looking for so long? Absolutely <laughs> not. How dare. <laughs> Starting to go for meals with non-POC friends was like really strange like Mm. Indian Chinese obviously like food from North Africa and Southwest Asia like we share everything as well so then I remember going from going for a curry with my parents to going for a curry with friends everyone be like what are you having and I'm like what are we having we And also, then you're like not getting the variety. Like when you exactly. all share, you get to sample a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can say that I, when I'm at a restaurant, like I want a whole meal. <laughs> and There's one. It's, it's I not know. to say. It, obviously, it, in the in your scenario as well, each of you are getting a whole meal, but sometimes. It's not about not sharing. I happily give mine, but if I don't like what you have, I don't want it. Oftentimes it's ordered <laughs> so like it's taken takes into account everyone's. So it's not just like I'm gonna order this, you order this, and now we have to share. It's yeah. kind of we are ordering together. See, I get it more in a home situation. Whereas mm. at a restaurant, like I've never really had that, I don't think. I've never really had to Depends consider the restaurants you go to, order. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, actually. 
I mean, you get like sharing platters at like Anando's or whatever, which is kind of the closest you get to it. Yeah. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. I always feel like they're gonna skimp you on something, though. I don't know. Well, Nando's. I'm very aware of my stomach capacity <laughs> when it comes to ordering. That's why you go with a large group and you order like slightly too much, and then everyone's happy. Mm. This does all add up. This does all add up. But also, I think because I'm the only girl of, I don't even know how many brothers, um, eight. I think eight brothers mm. um yeah. there is very much like an awareness of if you don't eat fast it will get eaten for you so if you want seconds it's going to be gone if you're not quick and you don't finish your first round do you know what i mean and yeah. we didn't all like grow up together or anything but it's it was something that when we were together that would happen and i was always known to be able to eat just as much as them so i think that competitive <laughs> streak was in me mm. from that as well it's gonna go to my final point uh, mm-hmm. then i'll wrap up i just wrote in the script which you can see casting out demons lol brackets quick family and it took time. <laughs> i have to say as soon as i saw that note i was like yes i was like strap me i am ready to go like plug in the seatbelt where is this taking us <laughs> so okay um essentially a quick a quick kind of asterisk to put on like chinese cultures has a different understanding of death in the afterlife and ghosts and demons and all that compared to mm-hmm. the west so it's it's like separate i don't know how i was explaining it about going off on a massive tangent but um essentially uh it's a very very old traditional Chinese thing. Maybe it stems from Buddhism. Maybe it stems from something else. I'm not really sure because mm. I never got like, I never got no translations. Okay, um, but like a way to kind of like cast out kind of evil spirits um, is that um, someone would write in like the calligraphy on paper like certain kind of spells, I guess, or just like certain phrases or whatever, and then they would burn it. And then they would take the ashes and put it in tea, and then you would just drink the whole thing, ashes included, which sounds kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, that was just kind of. I don't. I don't know if it's still done these days. Probably not, because I think the knowledge is kind of not kept around so much. But like my one of my housemates, like he grew up having to do that a lot because he has quite a traditional family. Um, and my, <laughs> I'll, I'll give a very abridged version because we do not have time for this, um, <laughs> and it's quite a long story. But um, my dad and his older brother, um, they told us they told us a story about when they did that once in their childhood, because there was an there was an incident with a flesh eating ghost, and they have matching scars now. And then granddad like did the thing, and they drank it, and hopefully it's all fine now. But yeah, that's when they <laughs> did the the ash tea i guess so yeah wow that's kind of sick though can't lie yeah <laughs> it's interesting yeah i've got chills <laughs> that's kind of like ignited some intrigue in me now it's, mm. it's a shame that like i i wish i had this knowledge of at least how to write the the scripts and whatnot but unfortunately like my granddad passed before i was even born so like this knowledge has not mm-hmm. been passed down through the family i don't know if it's kept in the family anywhere maybe someone else knows hit us up uh, email <laughs> us at ttotalgroup.com yeah. if you have this knowledge that'd be awesome can you imagine <laughs> sitting, i was like looking at the email i'm like hey christy guess what yeah <laughs> would you be free would you be free for a zoom workshop <laughs> <laughs> And how to use, how to do it? Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, that's me. <laughs> if there's something I could count on, is Christy coming with stories, coming <laughs> with in-depth, descriptive, lyrical stories. So thank you. All right, my beautiful listeners. If you're drinking your tea, you've probably finished it or got another one, or it's cold, like mine is, that I'm looking at right now. Can I just say, I do know certain people who, um, regardless of how cold it is, will shot that last bit of the tea as if it's like you know an absolute necessity i see them and i'm like hun no one is holding you to this you really release be released from the bondage it's okay (laughs) break the chains chuck it down the sink yeah come on babes (laughs) anyway 
despite all of those things, thank you so much for listening. We just are so appreciative of even every single one cup of tea being drank globally that are listening to us. So thank you so much. On next week's episode, we're going to be talking about quality. What is a proper cup of tea? How do we like ours? What is the correct way to make a cup of tea? And we're also going to explore George Orwell's 11 rules on tea making. And most excitedly, we're going to try and make the worst cup of tea possible. So if you don't want to miss that exciting episode, make sure to follow us and stay tuned. Follow us on all our social media. And most of all, enjoy all the cups of tea you're going to have this week. Have a lovely time. Bye. 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 Bye.